If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1, we're going to read the first 11 verses here in a moment. We're starting a new sermon series this morning. We've got about five weeks, theoretically, before uh, our baby, new baby arrives. And so this new sermon series is called Spirituality According to Jesus. It's, it's really, uh, we're going to spend five weeks looking at who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do. Um, it's a part of my rationale, right? Um, Presbyterians have a reputation uh, of being the... What do they call us? The, the frozen chosen, right? And I'm going to make a case, right? We're charismatic too, um, because we're Christian. Right? That, that every Christian, according to the New Testament, is spiritual, is charismatic, is given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that changes everything. That we believe, we take Jesus' word seriously when he says, it is to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper won't come to you but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you in, term, in the form of the spirit of truth. And so part of my rationale is, is as we're talking about spiritual renewal as a congregation, we, we want to get to know what does the spirit do for us? What, how is he at work in our lives? So that when it happens, we, we know who to thank and we know what is going on and can have words to describe our spiritual experience. Because as Jesus said, it is better for us that he is sitting at God's right hand um, so that we might have the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's figure out what that means over the next five weeks. And just encourage you, I picked five topics. We could spend more than five weeks for sure. So if you have questions that aren't covered or this brings up questions, feel free to ask. Um, it'll, it'll help me prepare as well. Um, but let's, let's read our text and pray. This is Acts chapter 1. Hear God speak to us. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them to not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And this is God's word. Uh, he has spoken to us today in love. Let's, let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have not left us alone. 
And so this morning, I pray you would show us the work and the witness of the Holy Spirit who pours out your love into our hearts, who shows us Jesus. Um, and so I, I do, Lord, I ask that, that this power that raised Christ from the dead would be at work in our lives so that we might be what this text calls us to be, um, witnesses of our resurrected King. So may your will be done among us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, starting off here in Acts, in the, the beginning of the church, I want to ask this big question, what is the gift of the Holy Spirit for? All right, and to jump into that question, there are a couple misunderstandings I think that would be helpful to clear up. Because you talk about being spiritual in our culture, Right? That, that means something very different from what the New Testament means by spiritual. Right? For our, our neighbors, our, our friends, our coworkers that aren't Christians, uh, when they mean they're spiritual, when they talk about being spiritual, they're saying, I am open to some kind of higher power out there. They may name it, they might not. Right? But they have this, I think, healthy uh, realization that they need help. I need help. I need to be better, better human. (laughs) Uh, Be nicer to get through the hard times. To be spiritual is to be open to something out there. But as we get to know the Holy Spirit, one of the things we're going to learn is the Holy Spirit is a person. the, 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 The Christian teaching is the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, and he is personal. Uh, that, that Jesus uses personal pronouns when he, when he talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, we confess this morning, he is the true and eternal God. Right? And so, when we're talking about being spiritual, we're talking about having the person of God come down to be with us. Right? Someone whose fellowship we can enjoy, someone who can be grieved, someone who can be lied to, as Acts will later tell us. Right? So that's, that's one potential misunderstanding. Right? We're not talking about a force. Right? We're, I love Star Wars, but it doesn't, it's not accurate when it talks about spirituality. Um, in the Christian world, I mean, there's all kinds of different understandings about the Holy Spirit. Right? Um, it can be misunderstood as well. There are all kinds of... Well, my experience, right? there are excesses. People can get really excitable about the Holy Spirit, and, and it can feel like what it means to be spiritual is to be really energetic or really emotional about God. Right? So I, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit from experience. I spent a year in a South African Reformed charismatic church. Uh, that's a thing. <laughs> it's in, in Madagascar. And which was really interesting, because right, I grew up in a Presbyterian church. I'm not that emotional of a guy. I'm pretty even keel. I'm either here or there. <laughs> um, but as I spent time in this charismatic community and listened and watched them live out their, their understanding of the Holy Spirit, a lot of pre- I felt a lot of pressure to be more emotional than I was. Whether it was unspoken, spoken, um, to be more passionate, more fired up, to experience what they were experiencing, to be spiritual as they were spiritual. And the New Testament says, yeah, the Holy Spirit is 
affects our emotions for sure. Um, but it doesn't mean <laughs> like that is what it means to be spiritual. There's more than just our emotions. Right? And it's also more than just the dramatic. Right? If you spend any time, some of you have history with the charismatic church, where they talk a lot more, it seems like they talk a lot more about the Holy Spirit than Jesus. Um, because it, understandably so, they're excited about the power, this power that God has given them. And you'll hear fantastic stories about healings or speaking in tongues or casting out demons. And what that's, that's later this month. We'll talk about those things. And so the reason I chose Acts is I want to lay a foundation. What is the whole, why is the Holy Spirit given? Who is he, who is he pointing to? Right? And it's, it's really simple at its foundation. The reason God gives Jesus and God the Father send the Spirit is so that you would be equipped to be Jesus' witnesses. Right? We're given the Holy Spirit. This is one, one answer, not all of it. Um, but so that you would be Jesus' witnesses here on earth. Right? So first point here, let's, let's look at that. Let's look at the purpose of this gift of the Holy Spirit. But working through this passage. First, in verse 1, who is Acts written to? And it says it's addressed to Theophilus. Right? Theophilus was likely the, the, the person who sponsored the writings of this book. Uh, he was a real person. But, the, but Theophilus is reminding us that this is the same author as the Gospel of Luke. Right? That, that Luke wrote his first gospel account for Theophilus so that he might know that the stories are true and have certainty or confidence in who Jesus is so that we might have certainty about Jesus. That's what Luke 1, uh, 4 says. Now, Theophilus, it's interesting, his name means lover of God, right? And so if you're reading Acts this is addressed to all those who love God. Right? It's a real person, but it, this is the way to enter into the story. Right? To be a Christian is to be a lover of God, the God who loved you first. And so as, as we jump into Acts, what we're seeing is Acts is the sequel. What is Jesus up to now that he has ascended up into heaven and you can't see him bodily? What is he up to now through the work of the Holy Spirit? Right? And so as you jump into this, I'm, I'm focusing on the Holy Spirit parts here. What Jesus does is he, he's talking to his disciples after the resurrection. He has, you can read Corinthians, he's, he's presented many proofs that he's actually alive. He's eaten meals. He's presented himself to up to 500 witnesses at one time. But he says, all right, I'm about to leave. And while he's staying with them, it says in verse 4, he said, just go wait in Jerusalem. Go wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me, because John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit soon. Right? The Holy Spirit's coming, and it's going to be a baptism event. And I know this is strange language, to think about the Holy Spirit. And here's what I think Jesus is doing. By, 
by talking about a baptism event, one, it's not going to be a small event. This is going to be a, a, a big supernatural experience. But I think what we're supposed to do is to say, okay, what experience do we have so far with baptism and the Holy Spirit? If you're a good Bible reader. Right? It was when Jesus, baptized by John, went down into the River Jordan And as he was baptized by John, a voice from heaven spoke, and the dove descended down on him, and and the voice said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So I think this this is a hint to what Paul will make really clear later. What will the Holy Spirit do when he comes down on Christians? Is you're gonna know the, the love of the God the Father. This was our message at Christmas, uh, the, the peace, that as Jesus had that experience, you are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. When the Spirit comes down on you, he's going to make God's, real, God's love real to your heart. Right? To be baptized into the Spirit is to be baptized into this infinite and eternal and mysterious love of of God the Father, the love that God the Father has for God the Son. The Spirit joins you into the into the family, so to speak. Right? And so a good place to start is do you have you had that kind of experience? <laughs> to know what that feels like to all of a sudden just be very aware that God loves you, whether you deserve it or not. I love what C.S. Lewis says to a friend, (laughs) right? His friend's really excited about knowing that God loves him. And he says, you know, it feels like something terrific has happened to you and you feel all glowy and that's great. But it's not always going to be that way, (laughs) right? Sometimes you're you're, you're not going to feel that. You're not going to feel all glowy, right? This this emotional experience. Sometimes he's going to be at work and you're just going to feel flat, But it is an experience that Christians are given. To be baptized into the Holy Spirit is to know in your head and in your heart the love of God the Father. We shouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is what Jesus promised. Uh, In in the Gospel of John, this is how Jesus prayed for you and for me. In John 24 through 26, he's saying to his Father, I want to be one with them. I want to be one with you, Christians. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me, Father, and that you, that you loved them even as you love me. And then he's even more explicit. Right? Jesus says, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you hear what Jesus is praying? See, to be baptized in, with the Spirit or in the Spirit is to have that moment when your understanding of God's love just becomes very present and very real. Um, To have that experience, to know that you could be God's child with whom he is well pleased. So when Jesus is referring to something better than John's baptism, remember John was baptizing people for the repentance of sins. They were going through and saying, I deserve God's judgment. Please have mercy on me. 
Jesus' baptism says not only will you get mercy, you will get God's pleasure. His smiling face. They don't know that yet. Jesus says, go, go wait for it in Jerusalem. Right, so that, that's purpose number one of the gift of the Holy Spirit, to, to know that God loves you, to know God the Father. It's hinted at here. Purpose number two. All, right, all those who are loved by God are now sent uh, and equipped by the Spirit to join Jesus' mission. Right? But look, look, at, look at how this works. They, they, the disciples come together and, and they ask Jesus, after being told they're going to get the gift of the Spirit, and they say, Lord, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Which is, probably should laugh a little bit at how much they just don't understand what they were told. Right? They're, about to, they're about to get the most amazing gift, God himself. They're going to receive power from on a high. God isn't just going to move into their neighborhood, he's going to make them walking temples. Right? They're going to be a people where heaven and earth intersect. And all they can think about is this kingdom of Israel, the, the, the smallness of their understanding of God's kingdom. Right? We would say political power or maybe comfort. Right? To, their, to be fair... Right? They have all, they have, I'm sure they have Old Testament passages in their head that, that says when, when the Holy Spirit comes, it comes with all, God doing a whole lot of really cool stuff, like smoking all of Israel's enemies, setting up a kingdom on earth, sorrow and sighing run away, running away, right? tears being wiped away, death being reversed. But they're focusing on Israel, not the world. Right? And Jesus just says, well, it's not for you to know, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. And, and what I love about this is who is the Spirit given to? It's given to a bunch of guys and girls who have no idea what's about to happen to them. They do not have their theological ducks in a row. Right? These are the guys who ran and hid when Jesus was arrested. Right? This is Peter, the coward, who was afraid to stand up for Jesus in front of strangers in front of a young girl. Right? This is Peter, the one who broke his own word hours after saying, Jesus, I will die for you, and he panics and runs. Now, the, the Holy Spirit is being promised, being given to disciples who are afraid, who are weak, who are spiritually thick and unaware, who do not yet understand what's about to happen to them which is good news because that means I'm qualified too. <laughs> right? And doesn't that sound like human nature? Lord, God says, I want to give you myself, my spirit. Right? I'm going to, this is what Paul Tripp says, right? I'm going to unzip you. The Holy Spirit's going to step inside you and zip you back up and now you're not alone. <laughs> right? And we say, okay, that sounds great, God, but what about all my troubles? What about my problems? Are those going to go away? Will the kingdom come now? Right. Will you come with a vengeance and take away all the annoying people in my life? <laughs> uh, will you make my life more comfortable? No. The Holy Spirit is a gift to believers who are a work in progress. Uh, they have been forgiven, but they need to have their 
their, their kingdom vision expanded from the, the narrow kingdom of self to the global kingdom of making disciples to the ends of the earth. Right? But despite their ignorance, Jesus still works with them. He's, he's going to change them. He's going to transform them. They're going to become Jesus' powerful witnesses. And that's, that's verse 8 here. It says, when you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So something else the Holy Spirit does. It's the implication, right? You're going to get power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they will be Jesus' witnesses. Something's going to change. All right, and I think the one word that, there's one little word there that, that's telling you what the Spirit does. It's my. Right? So one of the things the Holy Spirit's telling them is, by the way, you belong to Jesus now. You're not your own. Right? The Heidelberg Catechism begins that way, that what is your only comfort in life and death, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the, the side effects, if you will, of the Holy Spirit coming to you is to testify to your spirit that you belong to Jesus. You are his witness. It's a personal pronoun. They just asked a dumb question, or at least an ignorant one, and Jesus says, you're still mine. Right? It's, it's incredibly comforting. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, who says you are mine. You belong to me. The Jesus who suffered for you, who died on a cross for you, who rose again on the third day for you, is claiming you. But this is also a challenge. We need the Holy Spirit to do this, don't we? Because you know what I believe most about myself in unbelief? I believe I am my own, and it's up to me to get through my day. Right? This is a challenge. Jesus is saying, you are my witnesses, because if you belong to someone else, that means King Jesus has a say on what you do, what you say, where you go, right? Just a little bit you're hearing about the Holy Spirit. It's, this is not the kind of person you invite into your life uh, to be a servant, to be your secretary, to be, right, to, to be the, the fixer. Now, this is someone who says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. You are mine. And we need the Spirit to tell us that because, you know, the, the, the air we breathe every day as outside these walls is that I am my own and I have to fix me, right? That, that I belong to myself, and because I belong to myself, I have to love myself, and I have to find resources to love myself from myself. Uh, I have to forgive myself. I have to come up with my own purpose, my own meaning. I have to get my own motivation to get out of bed, whether I feel like it or not. I have to find meaning and joy all on my own. Right? I mean, don't you hear those messages? Go watch Moana. No one knows how far I'll go. <laughs> right? Brene Brown is a, a popular writer and shame researcher. I've, I've found a lot of help from her, but this is how she talks about true, true belonging. She says, true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world. 
See, this is what we're being taught every single day, catechized by the TV shows we watch, the books we read, um, that the most important thing you can do is to be a faithful witness to yourself. And the Holy Spirit comes in to interrupt that conversation and say, hold on, you are not your own, but you belong to Jesus. You are his witness. So when the Holy Spirit comes, you will, you who are preoccupied with yourselves, you belong to Jesus and you will be his witnesses, which means there will be changes coming. So we've seen three purposes, right? The Holy Spirit is given so that you will experience the love of God the Father uh, to tell you who you belong to, uh, belong to Jesus. And then we're going to see here to equip us to be transformed, to be able to be Jesus' witnesses. All right, so this idea of being a witness, right? If you're a Christian, one of the things... This is your identity. We are sent out into the world to be Jesus' physical, embodied witness wherever God puts you. Right? That we, it's one of the, the, the beauties of the gospel here is that God chooses foolish, weak sinners, people like me, uh, to join in the adventure of history and, and, and go where the Spirit leads, to, to participate in his cosmic mission to renew all things beginning where and we're included I'll just leave it that way and so Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes to you this is is what will happen you will change you will be his witness what are you you called to be a witness of Uh, turn, turn in your Bibles to Luke 24 it's the last chapter in Luke so go back skip over John uh, Luke 24, 45. This is after the resurrection here. <clears throat> All right, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's giving them a preview of what's about to come or what's about to happen. It says, Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You just go through that passage. What are you witnesses of? Witnesses of the scripture. That the stories are true. That it's all about Jesus. That's what Luke 24, that's what Jesus is explaining. Here's how you read the Bible to where it's not about you, it's about Christ. Uh, We're we're called to be witnesses of the cross. Uh, That Jesus became sin as one who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That that he purchased forgiveness. Uh, We're called to be witnesses of the resurrection from the dead on the third day. And then we're... called to be witnesses of the reality that this gift is not just for us, but it's a gift for the nations. And it began in Jerusalem, historically, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It spread. All right, so if you're tracking, 
with me so far, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what it means. You're, you're brought into the love of God the Father. It's made real to you. And it's made real, how? By showing you the crucified king and showing you that he's alive and that he's still at work. And the Spirit then launches us into mission where we want to talk about him and show off who he is and what he's done. And if we're going to be witnesses of these things, it means when you walk into when you walk outside these walls this is who you are i'm a witness of jesus i am a, a living testimony of the work that christ accomplished and that now my life should be lived in such a way that it doesn't make sense uh, unless i have the holy spirit right a little bit of comfort, right? If you care about Jesus at all, if you have had that kind of experience at all, that's, that's testimony. The Holy Spirit's at work, right? So we're, we're called to go, go to our workplaces, in our families. Um, when you're having fun, right? You never stop being a witness because as we read this morning, the Holy Spirit is always with you from now and forever. So how do you do that? Well, here's, here's why we're here. Um, we are a church, and we are placed in Saratoga County. We're in Boston Spa. And so just think about this. How many of our neighbors give a rip about what we're doing this morning? <laughs> right? Or have any idea right, that when you talk about the Holy Spirit, they're thinking about Star Wars? Um, they don't understand the language that we use, right, of Trinity. They, if we, say, we eat the body of Christ and we drink the, the blood uh, as we feast with our crucified king, uh, you know, we talk about sin. People don't understand what that means. It just sounds like you hate yourself. Um, or maybe, here's a great hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. I've, I've seen this happen. That when unbelievers hear us sing this beautiful song about the gospel, when you say, nothing in my hands I bring, Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, I come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Right? Imagine you don't know anything about Jesus. You come into a room and you hear a whole bunch of strangers singing, I'm naked and I'm coming to God. Right? It's weird because it's a foreign language. Most people are just trying to get through the day on their own. And so what the Holy Spirit is up to is not only does he recruit you into the kingdom and and lead you to faith so that you trust Jesus, he he makes you a witness of Jesus so that you can translate the gospel to our neighbors in ways they understand. You can explain who Jesus is. He's the God who made all things. That's what we sang. He's the God that became a baby. Who could have dreamed we could hold God in our hands? Right? So we're, we're sent out to be a, a living witness of this story. Right? Because look at what Jesus said. Does Jesus say, all right, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and just hang out until I come back. Just stay in your holy huddle. 
No, it's, it's go. Go wait in Jerusalem. But by the way, the Spirit is going to give you a, a holy boot. <laughs> you're going to get kicked out. You're going to go to your neighbors. You're going to go to Judea. Uh, that's, that's your immediate surrounding area. You're going to go to Samaria. Those are the neighbors that you look down on and despise and think are disgusting. You're going you're to care about them now. And then go to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles. All right. Now, the, the, the Spirit's job is to make us living witnesses outside of these walls. That's why we end our service every week with, with a benediction and then a charge to say, you've received Jesus and his benefits. Now go. Go as witnesses of these things. And the good news of the Holy Spirit is you don't go alone. You have a helper. So, this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To be Jesus' powerful witnesses in the world. And, and I think the challenge for us as a church is to recognize our current cultural moment that very rarely will our neighbors just wander in. And if they wander in, they're not going to know what we're talking about. And so it requires us, filled with the Spirit, to go where they are, uh, or to have meals with them, or to, to go into the community, whatever that looks like for us. Right? Because that's what the, but we don't go alone. We have power. Now, how do you get that power? And this is how we'll conclude here. Right? Here's what the disciples do. They go back to Jerusalem. They wait. Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit comes down. It's quite dramatic in Acts chapter 2. All right, when the Holy Spirit comes down, they, all of a sudden they find themselves speaking languages they never learned, they never studied. Um, they didn't have Duolingo back then. They didn't have apps for that. Uh, this was a supernatural experience. And so much so that... People from other nations are saying, "What? we can hear you talking about Jesus. Notice who they're talking about. They're witnessing in our own language. Right? And so Peter stands up and says, as everyone's saying, what's going on? Ah, they're just drunk. He said, no, they're not drunk. You're watching God's promise come true. And he starts in Joel. And he says, in the last days, God declares, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit on all flesh. On your, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my Spirit and they shall prophesy. And Peter, just, his main point is that promise is happening now. And then he goes on to explain, how do you get the Holy Spirit? How do you get in on that? And he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Right? It was God's plan that Jesus should die. But this Jesus you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, Christ, the King of the world. This Jesus whom you crucified. And at this point, right, those listening were cut to the heart. They saw their participation 
in, in, in the breaking of the world and the attack on Jesus. They said, what do we do? And he, Peter said, listen, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And then what does he say? You do that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you, for your children, and those who are far off. See, here's Peter's point. How do you get the Holy Spirit? Repent. Uh, repent and believe the gospel. Right? That, that the promise of what they experienced in Acts chapter 2 still continues because the promise of the Holy Spirit is for those who are far off, those who will believe. Right? Everyone to whom the Lord calls to himself. So you wake up in the morning right, as a Christian you have the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is spiritual. If you have repented and put your trust in Christ, you have the gift. You're not alone. Um, you are now God's child with whom he is well pleased. You, you belong to Jesus. You are Christ's witness sent into the world. You have power from on high. Do you believe that? <laughs> right. So that's... That's, that's our foundation where we're going to start as we talk about the Holy Spirit this month. His job is to form us into witnesses of the risen Christ. And to be more specific, you know what he's up to in, in my life and what I'm praying that he will do? He takes, takes people like us who are preoccupied with ourselves and our small kingdoms and our small needs and says, let me show you a bigger kingdom. Here's my spirit. Now go. You know, the, the first weekend I landed in Madagascar, this was right after college. I was in Antananarivo, the, the capital, and I got, went to a missionary Bible study and got to hear. It was a vivid story enough that I still remember it. It was fresh off the plane, and there was this young missionary kid who was in his 20s. He grew up in country, so he knew the, he knew the local language. And if you're looking at Madagascar, it's this Huge island up in the northwest corner is where he grew up in Majunga. And right on the coast, off the coast, are loads of little islands where people live. Right? This is a place that ordinary people don't go unless you're from there. And so he's right, in love with adventure, young guy. Um, travels to these islands with some other Malagasy local Christians to, to proclaim the gospel, to live out what Acts 1 is calling him to do. Uh, this is a place where white people have never been. Um, and so it's interesting, he gets there, and he's starting to tell folks about Jesus and, and tell them the true story, and really frustrating and infuriating the local witch doctors to the point where they're angry, they're crying out to their gods, cursing him. And he actually falls deathly ill to the point of needing evacuated, and everybody watching right? It says, he's dead. This Jesus is nobody. Right? He's no, no one to be uh, reckoned with. And a few months later, he was, able, he was healed. Uh, he, whether through medicine, the, the, the spirit was kind. This guy recovered, and he, he went back to the island to face those who tried to kill him. And, and they were just stunned, right? One, one, he survived the curse. They didn't have a category for that. 
And what, what it did was it just led to an open door to talk about Jesus, uh, to, to get that privilege with other, to, to try and start a church, to disciple some of the locals. You know, that's a, it's an extraordinary story for sure. But what I love about the story is it shows this is the ordinary way the Spirit works. He works through ordinary Christians, where they are at, through, through who they are, equips them to tell the story. And even if there are supernatural things, it's, it's also that the Spirit might point to Jesus. Right? That, is, that is the main mission of the Holy Spirit, to be a witness to Jesus. And we get clothed with that power on high so that we might, we might join the work. So may, may that be true in us. Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you do not leave us alone. And so I pray that uh, we, you would make that experience real to our hearts, that, that we are your children with whom you are well pleased. It's not a gift we deserve. It's a gift of grace. We pray for Hope Church, Lord, that we would be a community of living witnesses, a, a testimony to, to the Spirit's presence with us. And so I pray you would, you would equip us for the mission that you have put us here to do so that as we go forth from this place, we would know we are your witnesses. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's